Hey Pro Nerds, Iggy here with another episode of Diving Deep. If you checked this out a couple weeks ago, we had a very serious first episode where we talked with Mary from Justice 61 about child sex trafficking right here in the United States. I know this is very unlike any of the other Project Nerd podcasts, and again, if you listen to that one, you heard in my intro that the point of this really isn't to entertain as much as it is to educate, and I felt there was much we could have taken away from that first episode. I learned a lot. This one, not as heavy, but still some heavy stuff as I sat down with Dr. Ben Cole, another avid geek in the community, who is a doctor, obviously, uh, to talk about mental health. So mental health is a big topic that we'll cover multiple times on Diving Deep, and this is just the first chapter of that. So with that, sit back and enjoy another episode of Diving Deep. Hey, Pro Nerds, Iggy back for another episode of Diving Deep, our newest podcast that's diving deep into topics we aren't covering on the other ones. I uh, am here this week with uh, Dr. Ben Cole, and we're going to talk a little mental health. So how are you doing? I am doing well and happy to be here. Thank you. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I'm happy you could join. Always nice to have new voices and fresh faces. Um, we've we've known each other for a little bit. Um we're probably going to get to know each other a lot better here over the next hour than probably already do. That's all uh, right. I've, I've made a goal on this is, um, so the goal of diving deep. And if the listeners haven't heard the previous episode, um, is to really talk on some harder, you know, more difficult topics and, uh, and even where possible intertwine them into to what's going on in geek world and everything like that what comes with a good podcast on talking about these types of things is I would assume the host opening up. So I'm going to be real about uh, mental health and everything too, as we talk about it. So always a tough subject to uh, speak on. And uh, I am sure your listeners will uh, love to hear more about what you have to say. Uh, But of course I'll address any concerns you have as well. Perfect. So what is that? So you are obviously your doctor. So that gives you some insight to it. One of the things, just diving immediately into it, that I always like to discuss is the the brain part of it. And so I think there's so often, when it comes to mental health, the concerns of exactly what it is, when really there's, I think, a, how to word it, a variety of ways to get there to depression and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, And the reason I bring that up is that I have technically what is called a chemical imbalance. So my childhood was fairly normal. My parents split, but I think that's the case for everybody my age and nothing out of the ordinary went on to, to be an adult, but I was already depressed and it was the matter that my brain does not make enough of the chemicals it needs to. This also impacts, um, I have technically have narcolepsy because my body can't tell the difference between being awake and asleep and things like that. But then there are other factors where people that are fine on the brain side, but had a traumatic issue, you know, as a child, or other things that have occurred in their life. And I relate that one to a little bit more of my anxiety where I didn't used to have anxiety, went through a really bad part of a relationship. And so that kind of came into play. Um, I, I guess questions for you would be, you know, what is, what is the reality around that brain stuff? Is there anything you could share or talk about with it? 
Absolutely. And uh, just to let your listeners know, I, I am a family practice physician. I do practice in Colorado. Um, so, And I've been doing this for a number of years. So I'm not just some guy you found on the street, dragged in front of a microphone and said, hey, let's call you doctor and figure out what's going on. Uh, no, I really do this. <laughs> and I deal with this day in and day out. Um, as far as I like the way that you discussed it. So it's a chemical imbalance and it's a brain problem. That's, a, that's an excellent way to address depression, anxiety, and mental illness because so many people don't see it as that. Um, in, in my work, I see too many people that are just like, oh, I'm just sad and I can't get over it. And that's not true depression. That's not truly the best way to talk about it. Uh, depression is, a, is a, a brain dysfunction and it is a chemical imbalance in the brain. Uh, and, and for people that are struggling with it, you know, am I, am I dealing with this on my own? Is this something that, that other people experience? It, it, the answer is yes. I, I think the, the last statistics I looked at show that one out of every three Americans will suffer depression or anxiety so severe that they will require medications for it at some wow. point in their life. Um, and then the number of people that deal with depression on a short-term period are even higher than them. It's not quite one in two, uh, but it is really, really high. So it's something that if you're not suffering it yourself, you, I guarantee you know someone that is. Um, and, and like you said, you know, it's, it's an organ problem. It's a brain problem. And, and so we, we tend to stigmatize mental illness in this poor light. And I say we, you know, we as a society, um, that, you know, we think of, Oh, you're sad. Just get over it. Oh, you're anxious. Just calm down, you know, go for a walk in the woods, go read a book, uh, you know, have a nice drink, hang out with friends and you'll feel better. And that's not the way this works. Um, you know, people with diabetes, they have an, an organ problem. They have a pancreas problem. There's for people who have, um, heart disease or who've suffered a heart attack, they have a, an organ problem. They have a heart problem. So we should not think of, mental illness, depression, anxiety, PTSD, I mean, you name it, in any other light. So, uh, like, you know, like I said, you said it very well. It is definitely a, an organ problem, a brain problem, and a chemical imbalance problem. That's, and, and I appreciate some of the details on it. And if this is coming through to any of our listeners, it might be tough for me to edit out my phone. I'll mute it here in a little bit, but it's pinging in the background. Anyways, on topic. Yeah, I, th I think it's key. And I always like to share that part up front because usually if I have that serious talk with somebody about being depressed to where I'm medicated, I go to therapy and I have to see a psychiatrist to get medication. The question always comes, what happened? What got you there? Or was it this? Because, you know, things that have happened in my life and it's no, it's it's my parents were supportive. They my dad was around, even though, you know, they didn't live together. We went to his place. I had a, a fine childhood. It's just at a very early age, my parents started noticing that moments when typically a young teen, preteen to teenager would be happy, I wasn't being happy. And after we did some, you know, exploring into your research, it, it was basically that. And the huge thing is, as you pointed it out, the same exact thing that impacts my depression impacts narcolepsy. And it's crazy because somebody can look at the narcolepsy and say, well, that's a medical condition. And that same person could look at the depression and say, well, why don't you get over it when it's the same exact thing happening in my brain impacting both? Right. And, you know, without getting too much into the, the science of it, the neurotransmitters that are responsible for keeping us awake also serve another purpose in keeping us happy, in keeping our mood regulated, in keeping us um, our mood depressed when it's supposed to be elevated, when it's supposed to be. And so, yeah, you're missing one. It has 
or you just don't have enough of it, it's going to impact a lot of parts of your life. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, one important thing I think you mentioned there, uh, everyone thinks depression, anxiety, hey, what happened? It doesn't necessarily have to be something that happened. It's just you. It's just part of being human is that we have to deal with things like this. Um, not all depression, not all anxiety is triggered by an event. Yes, there are plenty of people who suffer a significant event in their life and all of a sudden have to deal with depression and anxiety. And I can't even tell you that in most cases, those people only deal with it short term. That could be a long term thing for them. But there are plenty of people that deal with depression and anxiety and a lot, whole host of other uh, neuropsychiatric issues that come in and they're like, nothing happened. Nothing went wrong. Why am I feeling this way? And my response to them is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why you're feeling this way, but I know that you are. And so we have to move forward from there. Now, as far as the why, that is a very important part of the healing process for this. And as you mentioned, going to counseling, seeing a psychiatrist, seeing a psychologist, having someone to talk to is a huge piece of the treatment puzzle for this. Just like diet and exercise are important for, well, pretty much everything in your life, counseling is also really important and it's a good non-pharmacologic way to deal with issues. Yeah, awesome. Well said and a lot of information there too that's very helpful. And um, I, I think it's big, and I think the reason I wanted to talk about this on one of our episodes, um, and you you are a pretty big geek as well, I guess would be a way to put it. We're in the For geek sure. community. And to me, I always consider, you know, the geek, the pop culture stuff that's going on, the movies, the television shows, streaming, and all that stuff. And there's so much content now that touches on a lot of this. And I feel like it takes you so many different directions. And the one thing I did was back in December, I wrote an article about BoJack Horseman. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that series on Netflix. A little. It's a, it's a very tough series at times and it's hilarious at other times, but it's, there's five characters that it kind of closely follows and they all really have different health issues with mental health and it depicts it real. And it's exactly that. I was watching some other series to where you see it and they just kind of get over it or uh, Maniac is a great example to where um, he has borderline personality dis or disorder. I'm sorry. Yeah, I believe it's she does as a character. And then at the end, or it's him, I, excuse me, he's yeah. schizophrenic and she's borderline and she just breaks him out of the mental hospital and it's for a fun ending and all that stuff too. But then it's like, well, the reality of this is they should be getting taken, that taken care of, you know? Right. No, and I think that as um, – I don't know, the nerd culture, if you will, has become more prevalent throughout mainstream culture with the popularization of uh, many of the things that, that those of us that identify as geeks and nerds that we grew up on, seeing it become much more popular. A positive side effect of that has been that we start to see a lot more content out there. And as mm -hmm. part of that, we get some content that really gives you a good slice of life and part of that is mental illness um I, you know the game that i think of and it's not the best example but it's the one i can think of off the top of my head growing up when i was little was max Payne, and i guess i shouldn't say little i was younger when i first played the game and that deals with some really really heavy issues and, and granted it's a shooter where you get to control time and, and have a lot of fun with that but it also deals with the death of family members and how that character dealt with it. And there are scenes in the game, if you remember from the original, where he essentially has psychotic breaks and he has to deal with these. And of course, you're, the job in the game is that you have to navigate him through this safely uh, to get him back to reality where he has to deal with this, this horrible story. But you still deal with these just very 
traumatizing emotional events in his life. And so it's nice to see that kind of thing represented in digital media, in nerd and geek media. Um, Cause yeah, there's a lot of us out there. We're not maybe dealing with the, the loss of our wife and child from the hands of a drug Lord, but you know, we're still dealing with traumatic stuff and we're dealing with it our own way. Or sometimes we're just dealing with the depression without the trauma. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you, great point there too. What's always been amazing about the comics, the video games, the things that, like you said, are now mainstream is these creators, these writers, these artists, they have always told stories that take on huge topics. And I mean, we talk a lot about Stan Lee's work on, you know, Fantastic Four and and talking about the dysfunctional family or X-Men and what that is to equal rights and things like that, that were, these were things that were happening before it's be, those have all become mainstream too. So yeah, mental health has always been something you've able to find in, you know, video games, comics, literature, things like that. And, and like I said, it's in many ways, you can see a great example and, and Max Payne, a good story there too, is we brought up Bojack Horseman or sometimes there's just a, you know, another great example, Sherlock. Like I love that show. It's yeah. a fantastic show, but it really kind of glorifies a, a mental health concern with that character, you know? So it's, it's something as we talk about it more, it becomes less taboo, becomes more of something we can open up and be honest about. It's also something that people still misconstrue a little bit more, can, can become an excuse, can do all kinds of things. So education, I think, is huge on it. Education and simply just having the conversation, having something like this, open up uh, like this conversation we're having right now and just saying, hey, you know, this is something I've dealt with for years and I know what you're going through. And so when someone, you know, a friend or a you know, person you play games with or a family member comes up to you and says, yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm not feeling right. Something's not quite right here. You can sit down and talk and go, hey, this, this feels familiar to me. I've been where you are. I know what you're going through. That goes a long way because once you get that person the help that they need, you can be that support for them. Or if you're that person and you find someone who's going through something like what you're going through, they can be the support for you. I mean, ultimately, that's what we got to do. We got to support each other. We got to help each other and we got to get the help that we need. Definitely. That is some great points there. Great points. Uh, we talked to you, you mentioned to like getting you on the right medicine for it. And, and definitely I don't want to be anti or pro medicine. As I said, I, I do take a pill daily and probably will for a long time. Cause like I said, it's, it's a matter of what my brain does. However, there's a lot of other ways you can impact it. And it, it sucks cause it's those days where you're really down and you just go long periods of days where you don't want to do anything, but that really does kind of play a negative part on it when you're eating better or taking care of yourself physically and stuff like that. It helps a little bit. What are some other ways you recommend maybe to, you know, combat it, I guess would be a way to put it. So um, you're right. As far as do people always need medication? Absolutely not. Uh, but yes, there are times when people absolutely need it before we get to that point or before we, uh, at, sorry, let me back up here. Before I recommend someone start medication, I want to make sure that you're doing the basics, the things yeah. that are truly necessary. Have you done what you can to try to combat this on your own? And diet and exercise are one of the main things that I talk about. Are you getting regular exercise? One of the really important things that people don't think too much about is um, exercise is a huge stress relief. Even if you're not out there, you know, 
setting records on weightlifting or training for a marathon, even just getting 30 minutes a couple of times a week where you're out there getting a little sweaty, getting a little short of breath, that can decrease your cortisol levels. And cortisol is what's known as the stress hormone in the human body. <clears throat> Excuse me. It helps to uh, just make you feel better overall. It can help control blood pressure. It can just make you feel it just improve, make life a little bit better. It's not going to cure your depression every time, but it can at least help. Uh, make sure you're eating the right foods. We definitely are seeing a link in the medical literature between highly processed, unhealthy foods and instances of poor health, including mental health. So if you're eating nothing but McDonald's all day, every day, you're less likely to feel better than if you're eating healthier foods, things that you cook on your own. Um, sleep. Sleep is really important and we tend to underestimate that. I've binged played video games and watched Netflix until 2, 4, 5, 6 a.m. in the morning. And yeah, you don't feel too great the next couple of days. And that's because you're not sleeping. You're not getting that brain reset that happens when we sleep. So you're getting at least eight hours of sleep a night. Sleep, the amount of sleep that you need changes throughout your lifetime. It tends to be really high in the teens. It drops down a little bit through the 20s and 30s and 40s. Then it starts to pick back up and then it drops back down again. So get your eight hours of sleep. It can really be helpful. So diet, exercise, sleep. Those are kind of the big, big things that you can do without medication to make sure that you're doing okay. One of the last big parts there is social interaction. As human beings, we are social beasts. We want to be able to talk to other people. Now, granted, I, there's lots of introverts out there. Believe me, I would much rather sit on a, uh, in, a, in a chair reading a book, playing a video game, watching television, interact with some people on some days. But you need it. You need to be able to get out there and bond with other humans. And that, that interaction really, really helps keep our mental health healthy for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, and I, I read this really fascinating article that really stressed the importance of physical interaction with other people. And I'm not talking sex. I don't mean something that physical. I mean, just simply seeing someone else, putting your hand on that other person, giving them a hug, hand on the shoulder, pat on the back. That itself can help reduce stress levels in the humans in the human body and can help people feel better overall so if you're feeling terrible you don't you don't want to get out of your bedroom you don't want to get out of your computer chair you don't want to get off the sofa sometimes pushing yourself to go visit that friend that you haven't talked to in a little bit can really really be helpful yeah, for sure. And and I did too see something recently. It was like a six second embrace. That's can, exactly what it is. Yeah. A six second embrace can really impact the stress. So when your friend is, when you or your friend is down, depressed, or even as you mentioned a lot, tier two is stress plays such a factor into all of these things. You know, just a good hug. As you said, it doesn't have to be what so many people automatically consider when you say physical interactions, but just exactly. a good hug, just like you said, being around them, I, I think it's huge. And at the same time, a Friday night in to recharge that battery can also be beneficial. It can be. And you don't underestimate the benefits of, hey, I just need some mental me time. I'm going to sort of cut myself off. I'm going to take some time and recharge. But the problem is when someone's doing that all day, every day and not getting yeah. that interaction. Otherwise, that's when we start to get worried. Definitely. Definitely. Finding the balance and uh, can definitely play a huge role there. But it's good points. I, when I talk about going to therapy and and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I used to think therapy was a joke. And as a teenager, I would mess with my therapist in a way that I would just, today I'm going to go in and just say the word no to every question that's asked. 
And so much so that, and sorry to call my parents out on this, but they failed on that part because they saw it as not working. So they just took me out of it and didn't try to make anything happen. So I just went a long time without dealing with it and all that. And then as I was going through a major life issue or concern or change it through a divorce would be the best way to, to call it getting back into therapy and then now just staying in it. Cause it is those conversations. I'm at a point to where the big things in my life aren't happening in a negative way anymore. So it's every six weeks even is when I go instead of, you know, every other week or something like that. So about six weeks. And that's one of his first questions is always, are you, are you working out still? Do you get the, you, you still enjoying your time baking and making fresh food and doing all that stuff? Those are the questions he goes straight to. Cause like you said, it's such a link to how we feel. I, I think too, when you really talk about the food, something we, often as people skirt away from saying it because we try to also not focus on what we look like physically, but self-image does play a matter, you know, a impact on that depression and eating right impacts that self-image. So It absolutely does. And, you know, you don't need to work out so that you're, you know, the big buff dude or the super skinny model girl, but just, just being physically active in and of itself can be so very helpful. Um, that, yeah. That, that's regular therapy like that. Like you said, just talking to someone can be helpful. One thing I did want to mention is sometimes it can be very helpful to depend on the family and friends and loved ones to, to help sound out ideas to talk to, but don't underestimate the importance of professional therapy, a true psychologist, psychiatrist, counselor, uh, someone out there who is trained in asking the right questions to get you make those insights that really help you connect things together. Uh, I, you know, I, I was definitely under the impression too, once upon a time, uh, counseling, nobody needs it. I can just, I can talk to friends. I know what my problems are. I don't need to tell someone else what my problems are, but you'd be surprised when you start talking to a trained professional, when they, the kind of questions they ask you about, you know, okay, well, why is this happening? Why is that happening? What's that leading to? What's the next step? Just things along that line. And it gives you a whole lot of insight so you can have that session and take it away from that so that when you're in your daily life and you feel yourself starting to spiral down, you go, oh, wait, wait, wait. I know what this is. I know what to do. And that makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You can ask me a question about that car engine, but I promise you the mechanic's going to know a lot more. <laughs> right? Great analogy. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, especially with me because I, I, I'm the computer nerd. I'm not the, the car nerd. But uh, it is, it's a good point. It's, it's the, the times he talks to me and, and the huge thing is is, is – opening up here, the biggest turning point in my life was I was married from the ages of 18 till 32. Like that was my entire adult life. So it wasn't just a divorce. It was stepping into a whole new world I had never been in as an adult. And so having that person guide me through that was also helping me realize I'm down on some things that have nothing to do with her anymore. Like I'm still angry about this. That's right here. And how I deal with that will affect my mental health and things like that. You know, whereas if I was talking to friends about it, it's like, yeah, fuck that, that fuck her. <laughs> like she's the one who screwed up, you know, stuff like that. So it's really strong points there because it helped me to see, oh, I'm, I'm sitting here focusing on these things, which are keeping me down even further than normal. Let's get over this. Cause this no longer has anything to do with her. Shoot, I had a point there that I wanted to make, and that was totally escaped me. So. <laughs> it's all right. Well, if it comes back to you, just jump uh, in. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot it out right away. Um, you know, I think one of the things it's important to, like we mentioned earlier, just sort of have this discussion of, of you know, hey, 
you know, I'm having a hard time in life. I don't know if I'm depressed. Um, you know, I'm having a hard time. I'm really anxious or you know, I'm not sleeping well. Uh, you know, just to talk to other people when you're starting to have these problems, because they're, like I said, this depression, anxiety, psychiatric, mental problems is so common. You'd be surprised that as you're talking to people sort of going, Hey, something's wrong. Something's just not right. And I don't know what it is. How many people out there have that issue and can really sort of help steer you in one way or another. So again, having that conversation can be terribly, terribly helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And Another thing uh, kind of to move the topic along with this uh, is, is something I've, I've seen a lot more on lately too is the impact of obviously the internet and social media and all this stuff. And it's how the best way I saw it described was um, some professionals had looked into it and it's the matter of the instant, um, the instant release of, of the chemicals in the brain of that yep. ding, that ding, that Facebook ding is notorious for instant releasing and stuff. And, and they talk about when people are down, that's why you ping 16 different people on Facebook because you want to hear the reply back. And that's really a lot of, a lot of professionals are believing it's impacting a greater wave of depression amongst people. And that might be true. I have seen some early research that's showing that as well, that says that um, it, the, the way we communicate changing so rapidly uh, with, with smartphones and with um, you know, the internet being one of our main forms of communication now, uh, that the, the neurochemicals that are helpful in sort of giving us that positive reinforcement and that instant gratification when we get feedback and sometimes that feedback back i don't know how to say that properly but anyway <laughs> when you get that uh that reinforcement uh, whether it be from a notification from a text message or something on facebook or yeah, a snapchat message or right, you name it that all all of that is helping to sort of bring that positive reinforcement and the problem becomes when people then tie in feelings of self-worth or importance into those, those notifications, those, those gratifications, and as opposed to coming from internally, they're waiting on external stimuli to help with that. So yes, the reason that we sort of ping other people when we're dealing with issues is because, yeah, we want that feedback. We want that gratification that comes from knowing, hey, someone else is dealing with something that's similar to what we have, or at least they have something to say that could be helpful. So, you know, always reaching out to other people is helpful, uh, but you can't depend so much on any social, single social platform to be your sense of self-worth, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm not that old. I don't think you're either, but I still am old enough to be able to tell my kids when I was your age, <laughs> you know, this is, it was different and it was different. It was, I had to walk across the street to go knock on the friend's door to make sure if they want to go play outside during the summer, not be able to just roll over in bed and, and text them right. um, at, at yeah, a certain I mean, age it came along but still young enough it wasn't there it definitely wasn't there sir so, yeah i mean i think we're of the generation that we remember the advent of cell phones right. you know, exactly life before that and uh and a lot has happened and a lot has changed and i think it's going to be very interesting in the next 20 or 30 years as these changes continue to come at us to see how our interactions with each other change and to also see how mental health and mental health treatment changes as a result of that. Um, I think one of the, the neat things in medicine that I am just starting to touch on is telehealth and telemedicine. And it's been around for a while. This is not something that's new, but it's really starting to become mainstream and coming online with most of medicine. So now almost every large medical 
uh, group, I guess, is starting to have some sort of presence in the online world. And, you know, that's usually in the form of, hey, can I text my doctor? Can I have a video chat with my doctor? Can I uh, have an appointment over Skype or over for a uh, over the internet in some way or another with my provider and the answer is becoming more and more frequent yeah there's something out there for that and I think that's really neat I'm really curious to see how that's going to develop in the next five to ten years um, and you know I'm doing my best as a provider to be part of that as well because uh, you know I want to care for my patients but I also want to care for my fellow geeks that was it's a great point what I was going through uh, all the recent sleep studies and everything that and dealing with the sleep clinic I was they're like or you can just uh, ping this number and we'll set up an online appointment for you. And I was like, what? Like, just meet with the doctor online, right? They're like, it's a matter of like, we know we know your condition already. We already understand everything. This isn't where we need to get your blood work when you come in and all this stuff. So we, you, you can schedule an appointment like that. And I was like, I guess that makes sense when we've gotten to this point. So, Unfortunately, we're not to the point yet where, you know, you can, you can ping your doctor online and then they'll pop up on a screen and diagnose you if they've never seen right. you before. It's not, we're not that fancy. We're not that sophisticated yet. Uh, uh, you know, there's no hologram doctor from Star Trek that, that we can download into your house yet. Uh, That'd be really cool the day that happens. Uh, definitely sign it up for that. But, right. uh, you know, we're getting there. We're, we're, we're catching up with the science fiction. For sure. But we're still at the age where WebMD will just tell you every symptom means cancer. It, it is. I think that WebMD needs to change their tagline. And I think it should read, look, I'm not saying it's cancer, but it's cancer. It's cancer, right? That's probably a good pitch for them. They, they, could, they could go with that. It, it, would, it would be pretty good, though, for them to throw that up at least on like April 1st or something and just oh, a yeah. little self-realization there for it. Um, you know, I don't mean to pick on WebMD, but the the one of the problems being that every cancer that there is in the human body causes just about every single symptom that can exactly. possibly exist. So yeah, it's always on the what we call the differential diagnosis, which is a it's a list of things that maybe could happen. Uh, and so yeah, if your toenail is bleeding because you stubbed it on a toe, I'm not saying it's cancer, but maybe <laughs> it's it's a chance. It's, it's you know just don't pay WebMD too much attention. Uh, you know, one of the really important things that, that medical professionals learn is yeah there's this huge list of things that could be causing the symptoms you're having all of our training goes into figuring out what that is and narrowing that down to a very small amount uh, of possible causes so uh, you know a five-minute google search is not uh, gonna replace years and years of medical science so oh, for sure that's for a whole sure. other conversation i'm not going to touch that with <laughs> there we go maybe a, <laughs> maybe a later episode or something maybe maybe awesome so to tie this a little bit into is specifically geek community we're heading into convention seasoning seasoning season and when we talk about mental health, yeah, right? It is a delicious because you get to go eat all those restaurants in all those towns you visit. That is um, true. Right. So, uh, but to tie it in, actually, what I was going to say there is uh, when we say mental health, we don't just mean depression, anxiety, too. We mean Correct. mental well being. Yes. And when you look at a convention weekend, you go in, <laughs> well, at least younger, younger me looking at convention weekends, it was. We're going we're gonna to be, because Project Nerd is a part of the convention usually, so it's be there an hour and a half early, so an hour later, go eat food and start drinking and go all night and somehow get up the next morning and do it. And that definitely doesn't play in well to the mental health, uh, especially as you get older. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, as we mentioned earlier, that sleep is so important, but right. so is that healthy food, so is that, you know, getting outside, getting some exposure uh, to uh, uh, the sunlight, actually, of all things, can really help improve. Limited amounts of sunlight exposure can help with uh, with mental health overall. So, yeah, uh, staying indoors in a convention all weekend, although it's a lot of fun. I love going to these things. I love seeing what there is in, you know, meeting the cosplayers, meeting the artists, uh, you know, meeting the famous people. 
you name it. I, it's all really fun. Um, but yeah, it's tough when you're there right around sunup and you're there until way after the sun goes down and then you just sort of keep on pushing on. I'll get an hour or two nap and then I'll go and do it again the next day. Yeah. That, that is the definition of mental not well being. Um, it's just, try to take care of yourself when you're going to these conventions. Um, and sometimes you just got to be like, you know what? I, I'm an old man. I'm going to go take a break or you know what? I'm too tired. It's okay. You got to take care of yourself first. Yeah, for sure. And the, and the best example I can use is Dragon Con because that's a 24, 24 hour, you know, five days straight con. And so there's the times where I just say, I'm going to, I'm going to go take an hour or two in the afternoon to go lay down, eat, eat a decent meal instead of just throwing food back or alcohol all night. Right. Um, but I think it's, yeah, it, it kind of goes and you mentioned earlier, earlier with other aspects of life, finding balance. And, and I think in any way, when we digest, you said playing up all night playing games, up all that stuff. And it's great because my son right now is 14. And if he listens to this, he's going to be mad that I'm picking at him. But uh, he's 14. So he's at that age where every, I think every 14-year-old in this day and age is like, I should just be able to play video games all day, every day. And it's the matter of teaching them. I don't want you to not play video games because I want to play them too. It's just, we've got to get the other things done right. We've got to get the rest. We've got to take care of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally before we just binge all night every night hey look i'm in my late 30s i still think i should be able to stay up all night for <laughs> exactly. you know? but every time i try to do it it just ends poorly for me i just feel tired i don't feel well and and i watch um the the colleagues that i play with excuse me i play other games with um they're much younger than me and yeah they can just sort of keep going uh there was a time and a place that i could do that but now i think i've got enough insight that look i gotta i gotta take a break you know i my mental health is just, is just, it's not where I needs to be. Again, that mental well being that you mentioned earlier, I just got to get up. I got to move. I got to go do something. I'll come back and I'll play some more uh, game. will be there tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's a great point to bring up. And so I'll ask you that, you know, what are maybe some other factors that impact our mental health that we just don't think of? Cause there's all those factors that we automatically go to. And, and we've talked about a lot of them, but those ones that we don't even realize might be playing a role in, bringing us down or, or causing us to, to need some time? Boy, there's a lot. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that can impact mental health is, is definitely video games and, you know, consumption of electronic media. It, a lot of it provides us with positive reinforcement. Uh, you know, if we're playing an online match with friends and you win that game of Overwatch or your CSGO match goes really well, or, you know, you've been farming an item for hours in some online game and it finally drops for you, you get that uh, big rush, that big emotional positive feedback. And it can be very addicting or at least very, uh, encourage you, it encourages you to play more and to continue that cycle. And then the problem is that so for a lot of us, our mental well-being, our mental health gets wrapped up into this online persona of ourself and this online feedback that is present. And so sometimes you got to take a break from that and realize that there are positive feedbacks that you can get from, you know, other places in life. Like go play fetch with your dog, go pet your cat, unless you want to play fetch with the cat. Hey, who knows? It's your cat. You know, um, something along that line, just go spend some time with some friends, get, you know, step away from the computer because getting into that cycle of, I have to have that positive feedback from the computer or from the electronic media, whether it be, you know, console or anything else like that, 
it can be a real death trap because then you're just sort of stuck getting that positive feedback only from that electronic source. And that's definitely not something that you want, that we want to encourage or that you want to do. There's also a lot of social aspects to mental health. Uh, it's a very complicated issue because we are very complicated beings. Humans aren't simple. We can't be broken down into you do A, you get B output. Like you, you put a single input into uh, you know 10,000 different people, you're going to get 20,000 different outcomes. So it's not so simple in that you know oh you just need friends and you need to go out and exercise and you'll be fine. There's a lot of you know. You mentioned earlier, what is your um, your personal body image? How do you feel in your own body? Um, what is the the social support network that you have? Your friends, your family, those that you hang out with on a regular basis. How well are they supporting you? How well are you supporting them? For a lot of people, they have found they personally have found that going to outreach clinics. Um, Anything where you can sort of give back to the community, working in a homeless shelter, working in a uh, something along that line, that really helps improve their mental health because they feel like, hey, I, rather than just sort of sitting around feeling sad, I'm I'm doing something. I still feel sad, but I'm I'm doing something, and I feel so much better because of that. So sometimes getting involved in your community it can be just a huge step up in that mental well-being uh, work flow, if you will. I don't know if a better word. <laughs> yeah. That works. It works. Uh, I, you bring up a good point. I was listening to Michael Rosenbaum, uh, who's an actor, his podcast the other day, and I can't remember the guest off the top of my head, unfortunately, but they were talking about that and it got brought up of going and doing these things, you know, yes. for others, for outreaches. And it was the brought up, well, if you're doing it to make yourself feel better and it's like, who cares if you're doing it to make yourself feel better, you're not only making yourself feel better, but you're still out there doing the thing to help other people. So if that is something that does trigger you to feel better about yourself giving back, still give back. Don't, don't be like, Oh, I can't do it because I'm doing it for me. You're still doing the action for somebody else. Right. And never underestimate the fact that yes, you're still helping someone else. Yeah. Some people might say, well, it's not for the right reasons, but if we're getting the positive outcome for, for both people involved, like who cares? Right. Right. I mean, Obviously, there's the difference between running around and I'm taking a selfie with all the homeless people I'm helping That's as opposed to just, yeah, as opposed to I just feel better about it too. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think too, and you touched on it with the video game thing too. We so often look at, so often people with mental health concerns, uh, especially those that are, that are much deeper. And I don't want to say deeper because depression is still a big deal, but I'm thinking more complex. Like, yeah, more complex would be a way to put it. I'm thinking like bipolar or personality disorders that aren't easily treated with medication, things like that. We find ourselves self-medicating and we always immediately look at the same things as self-medication, drugs and alcohol abuse or fit our own personal abuse, sex, things like that, physically right. beating ourselves and arming ourselves. We don't think of the other ways that we self-medicate, which cause us to hurt. Um, a great example for me for a long time, self-medication is junk food. And it's yep. just, and that to me is doing just as much damage to a body as over drinking or anything like that over, you know, the over consumption of sugar and processed like stuff. Things. And, and there's also too, you mentioned with video games, we, we see this as an escape and then we get caught in it and it becomes the self-medication and becomes unhealthy and just creates more problems there. Yeah. And the, Patients that deal with health problems, uh, even uh, you know, as quote unquote simple as depression is, which it's not at all, but some a lot of people yeah. tend to think that it is, or the the more 
serious mental health issues, multiple personality disorder, bipolar, PTSD. I mean, there's the list goes on and on. We all try initially before we seek help. Almost all of us that deal with these issues try to medicate on our own. And most frequently that is drugs and alcohol, but for a large portion of people, it's not. There's escapism behavior and there's essentially, I am just going to escape from this reality by going into another one. I'm going to play video games until I don't have to think about life anymore. I'm going to read comic books until I don't have to deal with my depression anymore. Uh, I'll read about how Batman overcomes his problems rather than having to deal with my own. Uh, But it's not just limited to that there are all kinds of other things but yeah in the geek community you got to worry about your friend that's that's doing too much of one thing and not interacting with people like they used to um, that, that escapism behavior is very alluring and it really feels like you're doing something while you're doing it but once you're away from it for just a short period of time let's say you know you've been playing video games as your escapism uh if you stop playing for 24 hours, that, that hole that you've been ignoring in your mental health, just sort of, you really feel it. Um, you can really just sort of feel it, man. I just feel like I'm spiraling down. Something's just not going right. So escapisms, they can be helpful when they're used as a hobby. They're not great when they're used to get away from reality. Yeah. And you, you explained it so well, cause it, it, it gave, it gave the perfect parallel to using drugs as that too. Cause it's that feeling it's always talked about people get addicted to drugs because that feeling you get immediately after using them. But once you get off of it, once it's done, once it's over, it's out of your, or not even out of your system, but out of the, you know, immediate impact of, of your body. It's, it's miserable. It's terrible. And, and the, the whole reason you escape to do those drugs or do whatever it's sitting right there waiting for you instead of you confronting it. And it feels worse because you've been covering it up and you didn't feel it. And now all of a sudden it's coming at you at full force. Yeah. That was a great way to, a great way to put it there too. And, and yeah, and I always use the example. I still, I eat healthier a lot more often and I work out a lot so that I can still eat the crap that I shouldn't be eating. But exactly. It's, it's, I found it at a point to now I just, I really enjoy food and I can use that experience. And now I can say, I can go a few days without eating dessert or something and knowing I need to take care of myself to where I really did for a long time was like, Oh, I'm depressed right now. I'm going to go do the cliche movie thing with a bucket of ice cream and sit and watch TV. Cause it was, and again, I don't, I think people, which that's probably a whole nother podcast too. people underestimate the damage that processed sugar does to our body. Uh, especially when, cause Oh, don't, I don't go drink alcohol because that does terrible things to your body. And then they pack back, you know, a carton of ice cream every night and stuff. And it's, it's all, it's all about moderation. Yes. And you know, one of my favorite things, and I say this to patients all the time that come in to see me, all things in moderation, even moderation, it's okay to let loose and go wild and have, and, and, you know, binge on some ice cream once in a while. And I'm, you know, we're talking once in a great while. It's not something you should do on a regular basis, but it's okay to have some of that. But you can't just let loose all the time. You can't, you know, sit in front of the television eating buckets of ice cream because, yeah, you're right. That's, that stuff's terrible for you. It tastes delicious, but you, you just you can't you can't do it in those kind of amounts. Exactly, exactly. I, I I think, gosh, we've hit on some great things here, and it's it's been good to open up about them, and it's it's great too because I, I really one of the things that I wanted to get across, and it was so comfortable talking about it, is that is that matter of that it's the understanding of my brain and it's my brain and people have always got it. And, and it's, you know, people have seasonal depression 
and get over it when things get better and stuff like that. That's, that's a real thing. And I definitely don't want to dismiss it, but it's hard to get people to understand. And it was crazy having that talk with my mom to where it was talking about where I've had times to where I felt suicidal. I've had times where that, and it wouldn't click with her. Cause she's, she's like, but you had a, you know, we were there for you. We supported you had a fine child and it's mom. You don't understand. That's, that's not the reason why it was that way. It's nothing to do with you or at, you know, whoever else was in my life at the time. And it was trying to make people understand that I could have just, I could have just won whatever I could have won the, you know, be on the field to win a world series or do something amazing and still wake up that next morning and feel miserable just because that's what my brain decides to do. And that's, that's a great analogy to say, you know, look, you can have this life changing event that is incredibly positive. It could be something that you've dreamed of your whole life and you feel great and you're happy and you've got this emotional high and you're like, man, I'm on top of the world. And just a short time later, you're back in those depths of the despair, just down in that pit. And you're just like, why, what is going wrong? What is not working? And, and the answer is your brain, your brain is what's going wrong. Your brain is not working. The part that is responsible for regulating your mood and for dealing with the neurochemicals that are responsible for that is just not functioning right. And so sometimes when you're dealing with stuff like that, you need a little medication help. And that's where my job comes into play. Exactly. Exactly. And I just hope if even if it impacts one person listening to it is that you can sit down and the next time your friend, your spouse or your child in the cases I just used the example says that understand you're not doing anything wrong or there's nothing that you may be able to do to change that and to work with them on getting the right help or right treatment to find out, you know, what might be the best way to impact it. Cause like I said, sometimes it's medication. Sometimes it's not, sometimes, sometimes it is not. lifestyle changes, right. you know, yep. and, and sometimes it is you, maybe the spouse needs to change. I don't know. You know it's, it's, there are things, but my point is, is, is we, we, as people, I think we take it so personally when we can't be that, savior for that person that's important in our lives and we have to understand it just it just doesn't always work that way yeah i mean you got to take care of yourself first you've got to realize that uh, you know sometimes you need medication help sometimes you don't sometimes you just need someone to talk to about it and um, yeah depression is not a just hey buck up and deal with it kind of thing uh any mental illness not just depression it's not just a hey you can just overcome this through sheer willpower that's not really the case here you wouldn't tell someone with a broken ankle to walk on it until they felt better because uh, that's going to leave them with lifelong problems and i think that's a pretty decent analogy to to mental health is you can't just tell someone to just buck up and deal with it it's not always about your situation it's not always about you know hey i had a terrible childhood so i'm going to have depression i've definitely known patients and friends who have had terrible childhoods no no ounce of mental illness whatsoever yeah. i also know people like you'd mentioned fantastic childhood no significant traumatic anything happened yet they still deal with mental illness and it's it's some people are like oh that's such a mystery it's really not it's it's there's a brain problem here there's a neurotransmitter and a neurochemical issue that needs to be addressed and the brain is such a it's such a slippery organ both literally and figuratively <laughs> that it you, sometimes just doing certain things in your life behaviors making big changes changes the the way the brain functions and changes some of those chemicals in the brain that's where those lifestyle modifications come in that we mentioned earlier that's why going to see a counselor can be so beneficial sometimes that's not enough and again that's where the medication comes in and like i said if there's one person out there listening to this that's like you know what well that that sounds like me i'm gonna go talk to my doctor or my provider 
I think we've we've done a decent job. For sure. We'll 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 have a, a gallon of ice cream to celebrate. Hey, <laughs> Just the occasionally. But uh no, I, I like something you added. So we always we see the memes, we hear the people say it, you know, treating mental health like a physical thing. And we always hear like you wouldn't tell somebody with a broken limb to go do this, but you added a little thing at the end. It causes lifelong, you know, side effects or life it impacts them negatively for life. That's a great thing to say because by pushing people to just live like that when it's a mental health concern, we carry this weight longer that we don't need to carry and it impacts us for the rest of our lives by not taking care of it correctly. And, and it shows you exactly like you said, it's, it's, if you don't take care of it the way you're supposed to, it's going to impact your life just like any other health condition. Absolutely. And you know, the problem is it, it doesn't look like a broken ankle. You can't look at someone and go, hey, you're anxious. You can't look at someone and boy, you have clinical depression. It's just, it, it's not that simple. Um, so yeah, there's help out there. And if you need it, take it. And you, great example. You can't look at somebody and people always, and that's too, the closest to me, that people that work with me on Project Nerd event after event, they don't, they don't see it because I have learned to hide it so well. I've learned being in a long, long relationship with somebody who had much more complex is the word we ended up going with mental health concerns than I did. I learned to just bury mine and show her and others that I was fine. So that way I could worry about hers. And because of that, they don't understand. It's like, yeah, I'm getting up on stage to MC a cosplay competition. They, and no, I wasn't in the bathroom throwing up before or anything like that. But they don't understand what, like, it feels like my stomach's up here. This is, this organ's down here. This is here. And like, I have this anxiety to where I just, I want to walk away and not, not do this. And nobody should be mad at me. You know, for but, the, the, but you buckle through, right? Right. The people that, that bring up that point to me that when, when I'm talking to them in the office, go, yeah, but I don't look like I'm depressed. I don't act like I'm depressed or, or so-and-so doesn't look like or act like they're depressed. And, uh, you know, I have to say just, just pulling this from popular media recently, um, did Chester Bennington look and act like he was depressed? Did Chris Cornell look and oh. act like he was depressed? Did Robin Williams look and act like he was depressed? Like these people who have these very high profile celebrities who've recently committed suicide and have dealt with depression all their life. So many people, it was a shock because they didn't know. Uh, and I wouldn't say it wasn't a shock for those of us in, that deal with mental health issues, both on a professional or personal level, but those of us that have interacted with this mental health world just go, I understand. Like you, you learn to hide this and people learn to hide it really, really well. They learn to function in society, but that's all they're doing. They're not thriving. They're functioning. And it, we want people to thrive. Exactly. I, and I'm glad you said it. And that's part of why I want to talk about it and open up about it is because I am that example. I am a incredibly extroverted social person. So when I'm in that environment, I seem to be completely fine. And it's exactly people for years had no clue if I was depressed or anxious. People that were the closest to me had no clue what I was dealing with. And it's a matter of that. I want to put it out there. So when I do show that signs of need of help and stuff like that to the friends, that they'll be there for me and not just think this is out of place. This isn't normal. He'll be fine tomorrow, you know? And so I think it's important as we talk about all these different things is that you're, that we continue to remove the taboo status for this, that we continue to make it right to talk to your friends about it and for your friends not to judge you, but you also not to use it as an excuse for it to be a mutual understanding that those important people in your life, friends, family, spouses, whoever, they know, hey, at times I'm going to need a little extra help on this. 
but I'm also going to be working my butt off to make sure I'm not making it a burden on myself or you or anybody else. I very well said, uh, you know, and I think it's important to, you know, if there's someone out there listening that thinks they're dealing with these issues and you're like, I don't want to be a burden to someone else. I don't want to deal with this. Or excuse me. I don't want my friends or family members to have to deal with this is uh, again, you know, you got to come forward. You, you got to talk because we want to help take care of, of each other. Like that is, that is what we should do as human beings. Is, you know, we're all in this together. No one's getting out of this alive. While we're here, we got to do what we can to make sure everyone thrives as best as they can. And so, you know, well, not only that, I, as a friend, I want you to put a little bit more weight on my shoulders right now than deal with the pain of losing you because you took your life too early, not right. sharing it out. Right. It's, it's one of those things. Yes. Give us that little bit of weight right now while we solve it. Cause the weight that it would be that I have on me from losing friends that I didn't know needed that at that moment is far greater. And I'm carrying it much later into my life than I would be uh, if I would have felt. Absolutely. That, that, that pain of losing someone that, you know, that takes their life and never leaves you um, no matter what. No. And uh, yeah, I like you say that, you know, put that extra weight on me. And, and my thought was, yeah, put that extra weight on me. I'm glad to help carry your burden because I, I might need that help later. And I might need you to help carry some of my burden later. You know, and so, uh, yeah, that's well said. Yeah. And, and that can go into a whole other episodes of podcast too, but I think <laughs> the example of, of we have this, we we're spreading I, what I call straight out lie. We're spreading this lie that you, you have to fix yourself before you get in a relationship with somebody because they don't need it. No, it's all about being there for each other. We're all going to always be, have something broken in our life. There's going to be something broken. And I like it the way of I, I'm missing a puzzle piece in me. That person's missing a puzzle piece. And the extra ones we have are the ones that fill those pieces for that person. We're going to carry each other's baggage. And that's not just a romantic relationship. That's friendships. That's everything like that. If you care about somebody, it's okay that they're broken. You're broken too, and they hopefully care about you enough to also help you. I think that's very well said. Awesome. Well, actually, perfect timing. Um, I did, I did want to say one other thing too is that um, I think it's that reflection of looking at it and pushing it back. For me, it was a big point of seeing that I had gotten to a point in a relationship to where I could no longer try to fix this for somebody else. And I learned in doing so I was ignoring my problems and I was making that relationship even worse. So I, I'm out of a marriage and, and this is probably an interesting topic to talk on considering the community is, is definitely well aware of who she is. But uh, it, there was so much blame I could just put on her. And what I didn't realize is as I was getting more anxiety and getting more depressed and not taking care of that, it was also putting more weight on her. So when I sit here and can be like, she did this, she did that, she did this not taking care of myself was also something that caused a negative impact on a relationship. And I think people lose sight of that because they want to put the blame because person A did something more. Person A is dealing with, as we said, a more complex issue and they ignore that self-health, self-health, and it impacts the relationships they're in. You got to take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, it's going to impact everything around you. And, and yeah, your mental health, your own mental health is the, the big, one of the biggest things you can do to take care of yourself. Perfect. Well, with that, we are a, pretty much about an hour. So Ben, I appreciate it. This was not as daunting as I thought it would be. It was very informative too. I actually did learn a few things as well. well and most of all, of yeah, most of all, I hope our listeners pick up something on this as 
as they take the break from us making fun of each other on other podcasts that we do on the same RSS feed. Uh, right. I, I hope so too. And uh, you know, Hey, continue to make fun of each other. That's part of that mental health. <laughs> exactly. you, gotta, you, gotta, you know, just, just poke at each other a little bit, but uh, you know, you know, anyway. you know, you care about somebody enough when you can, when you can make fun of each other and be fine the next day. That's for sure. Exactly. That so. is, that is always a good sign of a healthy relationship. Awesome. So once again, it was Dr. Ben Cole, my guest here, major geek as well. And so we appreciate it. And hopefully he'll be back on future episodes as there's a number of different health things we can talk about, especially tying them into the geek world. Um, so with that, uh, I guess I will sign out for another episode of Diving Deep. 